On October 2016, 10-year-old Maya Kowalski woke up in the middle of the night with a severe abdominal pain. Her parents, Jack and Beata Kowalski, then took her to John Hopkins All Children's Hospital, and this is the start of one of the most heartbreaking cases that ended in a mother's suicide. Today, we'll be talking about the case of Maya Kowalski. Hey, hi, mommy. Hi, honey. How are you, sweetie pie? I'm her aunt, miss you. I miss you so much, too. I miss you so much, every day. Before getting treatments at John Hopkins All Children's Hospital, Maya Kowalski was already diagnosed with CRPS by a physician named Anthony Kirkpatrick. She was prescribed with ketamine infusions to treat the CRPS symptoms. Now, the thing about CRPS is that there are no objective tests available to diagnose the condition, so it's diagnosed solely based on clinical signs and symptoms. There is also no cure for this condition, but the pain can sometimes be managed, typically because the symptoms resolve on their own within a few years. So Maya was given ketamine infusions every three to four weeks over the course of a year. And the health insurance did not cover this, so they would spend about $10,000 every four-day session. In November 2015, Maya's parents took her to Monterrey, Mexico for a five-day treatment where Maya was sedated and given high doses of ketamine. After this treatment, her condition actually improved dramatically. Her pain decreased, her lesions healed, and her feet no longer turned inward. The treatment, though, wasn't permanent because on October 2016, she experienced a severe abdominal pain that led her to be taken to John Hopkins All Children's Hospital. In this hospital, her parents actually had to keep explaining to clinicians how Maya was diagnosed with CRPS. They described her symptoms and mentioned the effectiveness of ketamine. When she arrived there, she was in the ER, but then she was transferred to the PICU where they then tried to put tube down into her nose for blood pressure cuff. And according to Maya's testimony in court, this is the only time where she insisted for sedation because she knew her body wouldn't be able to tolerate the pain. This is when Biara told the nurse that Maya could not tolerate the test without ketamine infusions. The nurse then became concerned and contacted a social worker who, after speaking with Biara, considered her to be a sign of neglect. The social worker then reported the incident to the Department of Children and Family, otherwise known as DCF, but the report was rejected due to the lack of evidence. However, the staff at the hospital were not satisfied. They had grave concerns about Biara's behavior. They reported that Biara had a hostile demeanor where she was pushy and highly interested in Maya receiving ketamine. She even specifically recommended using 1,500 milligrams of the drug. The medical staff also reported that Maya did not appear to be in as much pain. For example, she would cry less when Biara was not in the room. So they filed a second report with the state the next day, but the concern this time was about over-treatment instead of neglect. They reported that Maya was not in pain, rather, Biara insisted that she was and indicated that Biara was believed to have mental health issues. As all of this was going on, the Kowalskis weren't happy with how Maya was treated, and on October 10th, they requested Maya to be discharged from the hospital, 
but the hospital staff refused this request and warned them that if they attempted to take Maya out of the hospital, they would be arrested. At this point, both Jack and Beata were forbidden from seeing Maya at the hospital. One of the physicians they interacted with was a woman by the name of Sally Smith. She worked in the hospital, but not for the hospital itself. She was employed by a company named Suncoast Center Incorporated, which had a contract with Florida to look out for the welfare of children. Sally came to believe that Beata had a mental illness called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Which basically means that Beata, the mom, was intentionally falsifying and exaggerating manifestation of physical and mental health symptoms in Maya. She also believed that Maya didn't actually have CRPS. She believed that Maya was faking her pain and that her lesions were self-inflicted. A court-ordered psychological evaluation eventually determined that Beata do not have the mental illness. But in child abuse cases in Florida, judges almost always side with the medical professionals over families. Beata even offered to move out of the family home if it meant Maya could return. But because of the reports from Dr. Sally Smith, the hospital attorneys argued that sending Maya home could expose her to harm. After more than 87 days without her daughter, Beata died by suicide in January of 2017 at the age of 43. In her suicide note, she wrote, I'm sorry, but I no longer can take the pain being away from Maya and being treated like a criminal. I cannot watch my daughter suffer in pain and keep getting worse while my hands are tied by the state of Florida and by the judges. Contrary to the hospital's suspicions, Biara had never been diagnosed with a mental illness and prior to the DCF's investigation, Jack says she'd never suffered from depression. She had undergone a court-ordered evaluation by a licensed psychologist who found no evidence that would support the conclusion that Biara has falsified her daughter's medical condition for any psychological purpose. The psychologist also concluded that factitious disorder by proxy may safely be ruled out. At the Kowalski Snacks family court hearing, all children's attorney continued to argue that Maya needed to be kept away from her family and transferred to long-term inpatient medical foster care. The Kowalski's attorney then handed the judge a letter that Biata had written before taking her life. After reading the letter, the judge ruled that Jack could take Maya to Rhode Island to be evaluated by Pradeep Chopra, a professor at Brown University's medical school who studies CRPS. Later, Chopra wrote that Maya's symptoms and response to treatments were consistent with CRPS, and that the diagnosis of Munchausen by proxy and factitious disorder were incorrect. The judge then remanded Maya back to her father's custody. When Maya left All Children's Hospital in January 2017, she weighed less than she did when she was admitted. She was also so weak that it was difficult for her to sit up on her own, and Jack remembers having to put stuffed animal in the backseat of the car to support her body. At home, he says, Maya cried nonstop. Now, here are the things that happened during the three months in the hospital according to Maya's testimony in court. Number one, the nurses there would tell her that she was just making up her pain. So every time she would complain about her pain, some of them would tell her that she's faking it. 
In her testimony, she also mentioned that when she was in the hospital, she stayed in this one room where there were surveillance cameras all around, and she was told to not worry about them because they don't work, which is also a lie. She also said that one time she was told that she had to undergo something called EKG, so she had to be put in a room where she was left for 48 hours under surveillance, which they did not tell her about. They had a commode in there, but it was put far away from her, so that meant she had to stand up to go to the bathroom. But she wasn't able to walk at that point. And there are times when the nurses would refuse to help her to go to the bathroom, and she would eventually defecate on herself. But the craziest part about this case was even when all childrens accepted Sally Smith's finding that Maya was faking her condition, going so far as to say that the strange bumps and lesions that continued to appear on her arm, legs, and forehead were self-inflicted, they still billed her insurer more than half a million of dollars for her treatments for CRPS, which is a condition the hospital believed Maya didn't have. So the question is, what was the hospital trying to achieve? And so let's begin the analysis of the case. Now I'm all for hospitals and organizations against child abuse cases, and I do believe that this level of forcefulness is needed in some real child abuse cases. Children abuse, abuse in the home cases, are so complex because there are layers to them, and also you can find quote unquote abuse in any family, but there should be records to back that up. But in the case of Maya, to what extent does her family need to prove to the system that Maya is not a victim of child abuse? Because at some point, it does feel like the hospital no longer cares about the child's best interest. They cared more about proving that the child is abused. It's to the point where it feels like they're trying to push a narrative. Because in my considered opinion, until her mom's actions are no longer justifiable in a sense that they're baseless and there are no records to back her actions up, then they could take further steps. But again, I don't know about the protocols and laws regarding this in the U.S. But every action that Maya's mom did had a reason behind it, and that could be backed up by records. For example, about the request for the high levels of ketamine to be prescribed to Maya, it could be backed up with the fact that they actually went to two other physicians that prescribed Maya the same drug. And Maya was already diagnosed with CRPS at that time. It's no longer a weird thing. When she knows about the dosage and the drugs, because she's been to physicians that prescribed Maya with the drugs, I don't think that there is any loophole in that. I don't think there is any logical fallacy in that. Also, why didn't the hospital staff think that this could be a liability for the organization? There are so many loopholes that the hospital made. Like so many of their statements and reports can be rebutted. And I feel like it's so contradictory the fact that they want to prove that Maya is being abused by abusing her. You know, with everything that Maya said during her testimony in court, it's just a reflection of how the hospital no longer cares about her best interest. They only care about proving that she is abused, that she's only faking this disease. And what further diminished their credibility is the fact that they still billed Maya's family more than half a million dollars for CRPS, which is the disease or the condition that they believe Maya didn't have. 
this alone deserves a lawsuit. But then again, these are merely opinions. I'm not a lawyer, but I am a law major. If that makes any difference, um, the legal proceeding is happening right now. So we do need to wait until the end of the legal proceeding to really know the whole details of the case. We'll be talking about the result of this case later on, but that's it for today's case. We'll see you in the next one.